So we're in a series started last week on the book of Ruth. The hashtag for this series, if you're going to post something on social media, and we hope you will, is radical love. Hashtag radical love. If you would like a copy of the sermon manuscripts from this series, all you have to do is send an email to the email address on the screen, info at bridgechurch.cc, and I'll be happy to send you the very notes that I am preaching from today. So last week we talked about the book of Ruth as a romantic love story. It's a romantic love story, not some kind of fictional romance novel, but a true love story from the, the Bible. Now what we're going to talk about today is the power of choices, the power of decision, the results, the consequences, or the fruit of the decisions we make. God made us all moral creatures. You are a moral creature. Now here's what that means. That means out of all the creation of God, you are the only creation of his hand that has choice, that has a free will. You have a will, and with that will, you have the freedom to choose for your life. But being a free moral agent also means that you are responsible for the choices you make, and you are responsible for the actions you take based on the choices you make. We make choices every day, and those choices set the course and the direction of our life. Our lives are the sum total of our choices. Whatever you are this morning, wherever you are in life, whatever status you have, whatever position you're in, where you are, is all based on the choices you have made through your life. So we're going to think on this thought today. Your choices set your courses. Your choices set your direction. Now let's look at some very simple things about this whole idea of us being moral uh, creatures, having a free will. Let's just look at some basic points about that. Number one, you're free to choose. You're free to choose. Everybody in here is free to choose. Let's look in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 30 and verse 19. And uh, these are just beautiful words. This, this verse is just packed full of such good truth. This verse is so easy to understand, and it is God speaking to us through his word. Today, God says, I have given you the choice between, everybody say it, life and between. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Now look what God says in the next sentence. This next sentence just shows how much God loves us. He says, oh, that you would. I desire, I long that you would choose life. You don't have to. God says you don't have to, but I hope you do. I want you to. Oh, that you would choose life. Life, And then he gives us the reason that he wants us to choose life so that you and who else? Those who come behind you might what? Oh, wow. What a verse. What a powerful, powerful verse that we choose and what we choose determines whether we live or not. 
Uh, you can choose to go to the right. You can choose to go to the left. You can choose, God says, to receive me. Or you can choose to reject me. God says you can honor me with your life or you can ignore me with your life. God says I won't force you. You're not a machine. You're not a robot. I'm not going to make you serve me. I'm not going to make you love me. Oh, that you would. I hope you will. But it's your choice. God has given every person in this building today the freedom to choose him or refuse him. But remember, your decision about God, your decision about Jesus, determines your eternity. And listen, nothing is more important than where you're going to spend eternity. We focus on this life. We focus so much on this life. We worry about this life. And we give so much of our energy and so much of our time and so much of our thoughts and so much of our, our uh, efforts to living in this life. And ladies and gentlemen, if we're here 75 years, 80, 90, maybe even 100 years, I mean, that's as good as it gets. And eternity, 100 years is nothing. It's not about now. It's about using now to get ready for eternity. Think about the choices we have. Think about all the kinds of soft drinks. I think about you guys being in the mission field, and I've been on a couple mission trips, and it's amazing the stores, if you get to go in a store, the stores that are in uh, third world countries and the grocery stores and other kinds of stores that are in America. We got some choices up in here in America, don't we? I mean, it's crazy, just all the soft drinks. I was down the soft drink aisle the other day, and I found a soft drink from my past, Sundrop. <laughs> Who remembers Sundrop? Thank you. Got some old people here today. And uh, soft drinks and how about kinds of coffee? I was, in, I was in line at Starbucks the other day and there was this young person in front of me. They looked young. They had hair and um, they were right in front of me. And uh, they ordered this drink that honestly, it was a paragraph it was a paragraph. And look, the person on the other side taking the, wasn't stunned. Half this and more of that and three of those, and I can't even say the language. So then when it got my turn, I went, black coffee. <laughs> you know what she asked me? How do you want that? <laughs> She's like, dude, you're in Starbucks. Nobody gets black coffee. I said, just give me that $2.50 cup of coffee and hush. <laughs> All the sizes, the amounts. I mean, I ordered a large coffee. She said, we don't have large. So I read the menu, and I ordered something called a venti. Hey, hey, listen. If you're here from another country, we love you, we welcome you, but it's large. It's large. <laughs> uh, all, the, all the car models. Uh, we have some guys here in the car business, and man, car models and all the things you can get on a car, colors. I was in Lowe's the other day. I went to get this bulb about this big that goes up under my microwave oven. 
that lights up my stove where I do most of the cooking at my house. <clears throat> She's not here in the early service. And so, or is she? I think she is. Anyway, um, <laughs> she does a lot of cooking. She does a lot of cooking too. I just want to throw it. So, so I, I get this bulb and I go into, there's a wall of light bulbs. And there's some that are like a dollar and dollar ninety-five and seventy-nine cents. The bulb I had was the smallest, and it was five dollars. <laughs> five dollars. I couldn't believe all the bulbs. It took me like twenty minutes to find the bulb because of all the choices. Clothes, all the different clothes. I was in the grocery store, saw the bread aisle. It's just crazy how many breads are available. And then I went over to the cleaning solution area. So many cleaning solutions that have so many different um, things. Uh, one of them, I think, helped you with a bad cold. I was like, really? Wow. So I guess you spray that right in your mouth. Anyway, um, some choices we make are totally insignificant. They don't really matter. They don't have much impact. But some choices we make, ladies and gentlemen, are extremely significant. They're life-changing. And once again, there's one choice we make that determines where we spend eternity. We live in a day when people are saying things like this. You can't make me choose. You can't, you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me what's right and wrong. I'll decide what's right. Y'all hearing this today? I'll decide what's right and wrong for me. I'll decide. You know, we're even, um, and I don't want to get political here, but it's, it's amazing to me now. We, we, we um, back up some of the laws we have on the books, and some laws we just ignore and don't even, don't even uh, back those up. It's just crazy. Everybody gets to make their own choice. You know, it's like the book of Judges last week. What does it keep saying over and over again in the book of Judges? They did what was right, come on, in their own eyes. We live in that day right now. You can't choose what's right and wrong for me. I make my own choices. Hey, when you hear somebody say that, they're exactly right. They're exactly right. They're free to choose. And here's a man in Ruth chapter 1. His name is Elimelech, and he makes a very, very poor choice. The second thing I want you to notice about choices is you're free to choose, but number two, you're not free not to choose. You're not free not to choose you got to choose. you got to decide. At the close of this message, I'll give an invitation for you to come and choose Christ. But it's up to you. But you can't not choose. You just go, time, time out, man. I, I just came to visit today. I'm not making a choice about Jesus. Can I tell you something about Jesus? You can't be neutral about Jesus. You can't be neutral about Jesus. You say, who said that? Jesus. Jesus said that. I'm so glad you asked. Look in uh, Matthew 12, 30. Jesus said, anyone who isn't, come on, with me opposes me. And anyone who, listen to this one. Hey, this ought to shake some Christians up right here. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually what? Boom. That's a pretty powerful verse right there, isn't it? Jesus is telling us you can choose me or refuse me. You can work with me or against me. Your refusal is a choice. We're not free not to choose. You know who was really good at 
attempting not to choose about Jesus. There's a lot of places I could have gone in the Bible, but I got to tell, tell you the number one guy was Pilate. I think Pilate was uh, the best example of somebody who tried not to make a decision about Jesus. Here's what one great theologian said about Pilate. He said, Pilate is a study in evasion and vacillation. A study in evasion. Let me just mention a couple things. Pilate tried to send Jesus to Herod, but Jesus was like a boomerang. Herod sent him right back, didn't he? Pilate tried to send Barabbas as a substitute. That didn't work. Pilate made this statement. He said, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You Jewish leaders decide. I'm not going to decide. Did that work for him? No, it didn't. Pilate tried to wash his hands. You remember? He got the basin of water, and he tried to wash his hands of Jesus and just be done with Jesus and not make a decision about Jesus. But in the end, Pilate's indecision was his worst decision. And Pilate died a man without Christ. What Pilate decided about Jesus determined his eternity. And the same is true of us. So number one, we're free to choose. Number one, we're not free not to choose. Number three, we are not free to choose the consequences. You don't get to choose the consequences. You don't get to choose the results of your choices. What happens, happens. You make your choice, absolutely. You have the freedom to do that, absolutely. Nobody can tell me what to do. Nobody can, no book, no preacher. Nobody can tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want to. You're exactly right, but listen, you don't get to choose what happens as a result of the decisions you make. Very, very important. For instance, you can go to a building, go up to the 10th floor of that building, open the window and step out. But then after you do that, after you act on your decision, after you make your choice, your choice takes control and you go down. And you don't break the law of gravity, you'll demonstrate it. Isn't that right? So again, yes, you can go to that 10th floor, you can open that window, you can step out, but you don't get to choose the consequences of that decision. We live in a day of so-called sexual freedom. And we say again, no church is going to tell me what I can do and what I can't do. No church is going to tell me, no preacher, no book like the Bible is going to tell me what to do. I'm free to do whatever I want to. You are free to choose to do whatever you want to, but you're not free to choose the consequences like sexually transmitted diseases and broken lives and a precious little baby that might be conceived and maybe even the abortion of that precious little baby. And you know what? When you choose to do whatever you want to in the area of sexual freedom, one of the consequences of that is that you dishonor God and you mock God and you ridicule the Word of God. You don't get to do that and then go, no, I hold the Bible in high esteem. I hold God in high esteem. No, you don't. I don't want to hear that. Don't make me come down there because I will. We don't get to make those choices. Those are the consequences. And though you can choose whatever you wish, you don't get to choose them. They are inevitable. Consequences are inevitable. Number one, free to choose. Yes, you are. Number two, not free not to choose. Got to make a choice. Number three, not free to choose the consequences of your choices. Number four, one crucial choice takes care of many smaller choices. 
Did you know if you make some really big decisions in your life, it will settle a whole lot of little decisions automatically in your life? Let me just give you an example. Have you ever, have you ever said to your wife, let me just give you an example, me and Millie. Honey, I'm on my way home from work. And for those of you who doubt it, I do work from time to time. So I call and I go, honey, I'm on my way home from work. Would you like to go out to eat tonight? Yes. Where do you want to go? Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make one bit of difference. I just want to be with you. See, when I hear that, doubt just begins to... I go, she must have wrecked the car today. So I say... So I say, well, we'll go wherever you want to, so be ready. I'm ready to go. I'm going to just pull up in the driveway. I'll text you when I get there, and we'll bug out. And so I pull up, and she gets in the car, and I go, well, now, where do you want to go, really? really? I don't care, seriously. I don't care wherever you want to go. I go, well, you know what? I've been thinking about Mexican all day. How many of y'all, how many of y'all think about food all day? How many of y'all think about certain kinds of food all day? How many of you think about Mexican all day, and you got to have some Mexican? Come on. Come on. Because you know when you get our age, your breath really don't matter. <laughs> and other things Mexican food causes, that don't matter either anymore. So, so after you get married, you've been married as long as I have, you can eat all the Mexican you want to, man. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> so she goes, I go, you want Mexican? She goes, no. Nah. All right. Well, then I don't know where I'm going. Because what? The big decision hasn't been made. So now I don't know where to turn at the next corner. Y'all with me? <clears throat> now, if we'd made the big decision, I'd know exactly what to do at the next corner and the next corner and at the light. And when we get on the interstate and all that, I'd know exactly what to do but we haven't made the big decision yet, so I have to keep making a bunch of little decisions. Next thing I know, I'm going through Herman Park. There's no restaurants in Herman Park. I'm turning left, and she's looking right, and I'm going, I don't know where to go, because, come on, we haven't made the what? The big decision. And then she'll say, you know, where I'd really like to eat, and I go, here we go. And she says it because it don't matter to me, baby. As long as I get to stuff my face with some food, I'm happy. So when, once that decision is made, I know every next step I need to take to get there. Now, there's a spiritual truth in this, and I hope you're getting it. You know, one of the things that being pastor of the bridge has afforded me, because of you awesome people, is that I get to go speak at different places. I get, I'm going to speak in Virginia, coming up here in a few weeks in a little town outside um, Richmond, and um, I'm going to be uh, going to see Kevin over at Thrive, and I get to speak at uh, Jim's conference, the Acts 2 network conference called Amplify, so you know, you get there, and, and they have nice arrangements for you, and, and you go in, you're by yourself, nobody's with you, I'm in the room by myself, Millie never wants to go with me on those, because I'm studying the whole time, I'm reading the whole time, and, and so I often go on those trips by myself, not every time, but most of the time, when I get in the room, on the television, they offer filthy movies. Filthy movies. Now, here's what it says on the screen, if you read it. It says, nobody will be able to tell what kind of movie you ordered. 
You can order any movie you want to, and on your bill, nobody will be able to tell. There's no, there's going to be no trace. There's going to be no track. In other words, we're going to help you sin, dude, and then we're going to help you cover it up. But you know what? I have never, God before God right here, I have never one time ever looked at one of those movies. And it's not because I sat there on the bed and went, wow, man, I'm by myself. Nobody will ever know. Never seen anything like this before. Let's, put, let's see what this is. I made a decision a long time ago that I want to honor God with my life. Now, I'm not standing up here as Mr. Perfect. You guys, listen. It would be really stupid of me after 25 years to try to tell you I'm perfect. I've been around here way too long for you to know. But here's what I'm telling you. When you make the big decision, when you get in that hotel room and that filth is available to you, you don't have a decision to make because you already made the big decision. And there are people sitting here right now, and you know why you're struggling in your life? You know why you're struggling in your walk with God? Because you have not yet decided to make Jesus Lord. You want to hold hands with him a little bit. You need him when you're sick. You want him when you, when you got a little financial problem or you brought a problem in your marriage or you got a problem with the kids. or you, got, you want to be able to kind of open up the cabinet and get him out like we do, you know, garlic salt. You don't use garlic salt for everything. Well, I do. But anyway, you want to, you want to use God like a seasoning. You want to just get him out when you need him. And because we won't make him Lord of our life, we go through the process of a day having to make a ton of little decisions as to whether we're going to give into our flesh or whether we're going to honor God with our life. Let me tell you what that is right there. That's good preaching right there in this house. Make the big decision. Stop putting it off. Yield yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and you won't have to keep making these little decisions every day like trying to figure out which restaurant Millie wants to go to. Once she makes that decision, I know exactly what to do to get there and get that meal. Does that make sense? Does that kind of preaching make sense right there? You're free to choose. You're not free not to choose. You're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. And a few big decisions take care of a lot of small decisions. Now, that's good stuff right there. Now, let's get back to our Bible story and let me close with this. Now, when I say closing, what does that really mean? Nothing. We just want to say that for the visitors. Because we know when I said in closing, you got a lot of hope. And we just want to dash that on the rocks right now. All right. So really, I want to just share some things from this story with you very quickly. So here's a man named Elimelech. We know he had a good background because the name Elimelech means my God is king. So we know he was born to godly parents. We know he was born to parents who had a, a hope for him to be a man of God and, and a father and a husband and, and just really display the character of a man who loves God and puts God first in his life. So he had a good background but he makes a very, very selfish choice. He makes a very self-centered choice. And we're talking about here the principle again now. Don't forget what we're talking about. The principle of a willing choice. And what I want to share with you is how he made these bad decisions. Let's talk about why he made these bad decisions. And why you too will make bad decisions if you follow his pattern. Elimelech panicked when a famine hit Bethlehem. And rather than trusting God, he went over into a pagan land to have his needs met. How many times 
Do we trust God and God's meeting our needs? And then we drift away from God spiritually. And then when trouble comes, when something unexpected comes, instead of turning to God and trusting God and saying, God, I know you're going to meet my need. I don't see it. I'm in a famine spiritually. I'm in a famine emotionally. I'm in a famine in my relationships. And God, instead of me turning to the world to have my needs met, instead of me turning to some ungodly source, I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay on my knees because I know God you will come through for me. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. Well, see, that's what Elimelech should have done, but that's what Elimelech didn't do. Such a great lesson here. When that famine hit, he panicked. And because he wasn't rooted in God, his first thought was not to turn to God and trust God. His first thought was, well, where is their food? Where is there a place that's not in famine? And he looked at Moab. And we talked about Moab last week. A pagan nation. They held Israelite, the Israelites in slavery for 18 years. They hated Israel. They hated the Jewish people. But Elimelech looked beyond all of that and went there. And the Bible says he went there for a temporary stay, but ended up staying 10 years. He made a selfish choice and he faced the consequences. Let me give you three things real quick. Number one... Messed up motive. You know, the kids say, oh, that's messed up. That's messed up. So when I was putting these points together, I was just going to put motive and then the next one. But then I thought, no, not just motive. His motive was what? Messed up. And some of you sitting here today, you have messed up motives because Elimelech's motive was physical, not spiritual. It was all about satisfying his flesh. It was all about getting food and satisfying himself. He was after bread. He wanted bread. We don't read anywhere about Elimelech praying. We don't read anywhere about Elimelech consulting with a godly leader or a godly family member or a godly friend. We don't read anywhere where Elimelech turned to the people in his life group and asked them, hey guys, what are we going to do? How can I walk through this? Or turning to one of his spiritual leaders. He decided to go, ab, go to Moab and get his need met. And a lot of people today call themselves Christians, but they're still motivated by the material things of this world. It's okay to be motivated, but you can't be primarily motivated. It's always good to have ambition and motivation, but don't take your eyes off God and don't Stop putting God first in your life. That's when you're going to have a downfall in the very thing that you worship and have given all your attention to. That thing's going to fall apart because you took God off the throne of your life. So don't be focused on the material primarily, the physical. Be focused on the spiritual. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 6, and you know this verse. Seek first what? The kingdom of God. Seek when? First, the kingdom of God. I love this. Look at this promise. And God says, and if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, you will live in poverty and you'll never have any of your needs met, but you get to go to heaven in the end. Is that what that verse says? No. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that you have put above me will be added to you if you'll just put me first. Man, what a verse. Did y'all get that? Did y'all get that verse? That's so important. We worship things and use God when what we ought to be doing is worshiping God and using things. Y'all didn't hear that. We worship things and we use God. 
when what we ought to do is worship God and use the things he gives us. Those are not the things we worship. We seem confused, you know. Those things just aren't working out in my life, Pastor. Is God number one? No, but I don't know what's going on. Why are you confused? Know this about God. God never has and God never will take second place in your life. He'll never accept second place in your life. He wants to be Lord. He's not going to be a part-time God to you. What motivated Elimelech? Bread first, baby. The body, the physical, the natural. What's another messed up method he had or messed up thing he had was not only messed up motive but messed up methods. Messed up methods. And here's what I'm talking about when I talk about messed up methods. How did he go about making this decision? What was his decision-making method? What was his decision-making process? Elimelech's method for decision-making was uh, to, to make the decision based on sight, not faith. To base on, he based his decision-making on tangible, what he could see, what he could taste, what he could touch, not faith. That's the wrong way to do it. When you have a challenge in life, that's the wrong way to make a decision. It seems easier to walk by sight but um, because it's something we can understand, it's something we can see. And we look at a Limelech situation and we say, well, you know, hey, come on, Pastor, a man's got to make a living. I mean, a man's got to live. Can I tell you something? He really don't have to live, but I'll tell you what he does have to do. He has to die. We don't really have to live, but we do have to die. And when we make decisions, we need to make decisions based on that. Where is this going to lead me eternally? True faith is believing in and trusting God in spite of what you see or don't see and obeying God in spite of what you think might be bad consequences. You trust him and you obey him. True faith is not operating by sight. It is operating by what? Faith. And Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen. Look at the third thing. He had messed up motives, messed up methods, and he had a messed up master. Now God at one time had been his master, but he left the covenant blessings of Israel and chose to enter the pagan land of Moab. He chose a new master. There's some people sitting right here today, and God used to be your master. God used to be primary in your life. God used to be first. You, you remember a time in your life when you never made a decision without getting on your knees and saying, what does God say about this? What's, what does God want me to do about this? But you've kind of drifted away, and now you're making decisions, and you're like Elimelech, and you're not praying, and you're not reading your Bible, and you're not fasting, and you're not staying close to God. You're not even consulting with God. As a matter of fact, you've stopped even consulting with godly people. You just made a few decisions. They worked out for you, and now you think you can make all your decisions, and you don't need God. You say, how do you know? Because I've done that myself. I've done that myself. And I know the consequences of drifting away from God and deciding uh, things on your own. So you had a new master. So what are the consequences? And, and this is uh, the third in closing. What are the consequences? Look what he found. Number one, he found death. The consequences of his bad choice was death. Did you know that right after Elimelech went there, he died? He didn't live long. He stayed there, and, and in a little while, he was dead. And uh, it doesn't say that was the judgment of God, but, but his death 
uh, is recorded there very clearly. And his death, because he had made a bad decision, listen to me, fathers, daddies, future fathers, future daddies. Not only was his decision bad for himself, but it affected all the people he brought with him. Y'all with me? It affected his wife. It affected his sons. As a matter of fact, it wasn't too long uh, when he died. His wife was left alone. His sons were left all alone. And don't forget this, that they were in the middle of a land and a people who were very hostile to God and very hostile to the Jewish people. So daddy's not there to protect them anymore. There's Naomi and her boys all by themselves. And then the boys followed their dad's example, and they married Moabite women. You say, well, that worked out okay. I mean, the book's about Ruth, and I know. You know what that proves? That God can take our mess and make something great out of it. But they should have never married those girls. They should have never married those girls because God, in his word, said that the Jewish people were not to marry uh, the Moabite women, but they did. And in a little while, we keep reading in chapter 1 of Ruth, and both sons died, and now here's Naomi, Elimelech's wife, and her husband's dead, both her sons are dead, and she's with two daughters-in-law who are now widows, and there's those three women in that pagan land that hates Jews, and they're all by themselves. I mean, death came, not only physical death, but Many other kinds of death came because of the choice that he made. Number two, deficiency. I, I couldn't think of a better word than that. Because you can't run from God and have your needs met. You can't run away from God and get your needs met. Very important principle, very simple. If you run from God, here's what happens. You're in the place of blessing. So Elimelech was in Bethlehem, so he was in Israel. He was in the place of blessing. But you said, but it was a famine. I understand that. Sometimes the place of blessing doesn't look like a place of blessing. But you trust God. But instead of him trusting, trusting God, he left Bethlehem and he went to Moab. And now he's out of the place of blessing expecting to get a blessing. If you get out of the will of God, you're going to get out of the place of blessing. So here's my question to you as we all cry out to God today, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me. Are you in a place where he can bless you? You say, well, I was going through a really tough time, so I kind of chose my own thing. Well, that's what happens. Listen, in the dark times, in the lean times, in the times when there's no water, no food, and I don't mean that in a literal sense, we don't have that here in America yet, but when there's just famine in the land and you're going through a hard, hard time, stay right there in the place of blessing. Stay right there near to God. I tell you what, he will never leave you. He said, my children have never gone begging bread. I'll take care of you. Some of you are there right now. Some of you are there right now. Your back is against the wall and the enemy is saying into your ear, run. Run over here and get your need met. Run over there and get your need met. And God is saying, if you'll stay true, if you'll stand true, if you'll walk through this lean time, I'm going to show up in your life in great glory. You're being tested. You're being tested. Elimelech was being tested. The whole nation of Israel was being tested, but he did not pass the test. Ruth was not in a place of blessing. Orpah was not in a place of blessing. Naomi was not in a place of blessing. Where were they? In a pagan land. And there's no blessing there. It may look like there is a blessing there, but when you get there, there is no blessing in a pagan land. 
There is only blessing where God is. And if you want to get God to bless you, then you've got to get yourself back where you need to be so he can bless you. And then finally, there was disappointment. Naomi changed her name from sweetness. Remember, we told you the first day, last week that Naomi means sweetness and pleasantness. She changed her name to Mara, which means bitterness because of the disappointment. This is what happens when we choose apart from God. This is what happens when we choose for ourselves. What a, what a powerful word today. What a clear example of a man who was brought up right, but he had gotten away from God, and when the trouble hit, he ran in the wrong direction. I've seen it over and over and over in my time as a pastor, and let me tell you, I've done that myself. And it never, there is never a great testimony. Nobody's ever going to stand up in a church service and say, I've got a testimony. I ran from God and it worked out great. Let me tell you my story. I've never heard a testimony like that. You know why? Because it never works out. But I have heard people give this testimony. I was in a barren place in my life. And voices were telling me to run, run away from God. Go over here and get your need met. Go over there. But I didn't listen. And I stayed on my knees and I trusted God even though I couldn't feel him, even though I couldn't see him, even though I couldn't hear him. I just stayed right there and trusted God. And I'm telling you, one day it seemed out of the blue, Pastor, God showed up in my life. It's like Job Job said, I will trust him. Though he slay me, I will trust him. He said, I'm going to come out on the end like gold tried in the fire. I mean, Job lost everything he had. His friends pushing him, pushing him. Those voices saying, run, run over here and get your need met. Curse God and die, his wife said. He said, no, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And the Bible says in the end he had twice as much as he ever had in the beginning. Let's stand together.